Greetings Geeks, Ghouls and Goblins. I'm Gemma. And I'm Emily. We're going to be looking at the death suffered by saints. It will get gory, so be warned. But most importantly, as Gemma wrote this concerns saints, I have to ask, is there any mention of the holy foreskin? Because if there is, I might need my own therapy duck. I'm sure you'll be disappointed to learn that this is a foreskin-free podcast, holy or otherwise. Oh, thank goodness. So, when we say death of saints what exactly do you mean religious persecution has a long and bloody history but for the purpose of this podcast we will be looking at those who john fox describes as sealing their martyrdom with blood these are the people who refuse to renounce their faith even if it meant their own death and having read the book of martyrs by john fox i can say there's more gore in it than in some horror films i've seen so where all these saints just men or are there also some women yeah, whilst we do tend to picture saints as male, there are female saints who suffered just as gruesome fates. Okay, come at me. How many saints are there? So there are over 200 saints. Um, that's not including unofficial saints, of which there are 41 saints which are female and only five of those were married. And did these women suffer brutal deaths like their male counterparts? Yes, absolutely. Although beheading was a more common method for dispatching women it wasn't the only way and sometimes it was the last act after they'd suffered terrible ordeals okay so i'm guessing that you're going to tell us about some yes some of these are going to be quite short because there's not a lot of information however i thought i'd start with an interesting fact before we get into the gore in the church there are plants and trees which have specific symbolism so for example the cedar tree is a symbol of christ clover represents the trinity and ivy represents immortality both the palm branch and red roses are associated with martyrdom but to our first saint so we are starting with saint apollonia patron saint of dentists and those with toothache okay tell us about her then we don't know much about her early life just that she was born sometime in the second century and at some point she converted to christianity in 249 she was one of a number of Christians rounded up and tortured by Emperor Philip the Arabian, who reigned from 244 until 249. During festivities to commemorate the millennium of the founding of Rome, an Alexandrian mob became furious and committed bloody outrages on the Christians whom the authorities made no effort to protect. As part of her torture, she had all her teeth broken and then when they threatened to burn her alive, she, quote, jumped into the fire voluntarily. So in painting, she's usually depicted holding dental pincers or with a golden tooth at the end of her necklace. Her feast day is celebrated on the 9th of February. I mean, ouch. Why didn't the authorities protect them? I mean, first, you're ouch. You and I have both broken teeth, our yeah. own teeth. We haven't broken other people's teeth. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. So, you, I mean, it's painful. I cannot imagine that as a punishment. As to why the authorities didn't protect them, Christianity was not yet legalised, so they were under no obligation to do so. Oh, okay. That's still awful. It really is. It's fine, it gets much better. Does it? No. Oh, okay. And you worry about my brain. Next we have Saint Laura of Cordoba. Who was she then? Again, we, we don't know much about Laura. We know she was born in Cordoba in Spain. And that after the death of her husband, she became a nun. Sometime between 851 and 859, she was one of the 48 martyrs of Cordoba. These were Christians who violated Islamic law by proclaiming their Christianity and denouncing Muhammad. 
Having been captured by the Muslims, she was scolded to death by being placed into a vat of boiling oil. Her feast day is on the 19th of October. I mean, that is most definitely worse than having your teeth pulled out. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever got like a spot of grease on you when cooking, it's Mm. agonising, let alone being put into it. That is a really awful way to go. Who's next? So next we have St. Juliana of Nicomedia. There are different versions of her story and some, there is even some historical debate about her existence. Juliana is recorded in both the Latin and Greek list of saints. She is mentioned in a letter by St. Gregory the Great to the Bishop of Naples, Portanus II. He wrote of a pious matron named Genuaria who had built a church on one of her estates. For the consecration of her church, she desired relics which had been in contact with the graves of St. Severin and St. Juliana. Gregory told the bishop to let her have these relics. Um, there's no gory moment in that, so why is she on our list? No, but there are two legends which have gory details. The first comes from Bede's Martyrologium. It tells that St. Juliana was born in Nicomedia, the daughter of an illustrious pagan named Africanus. As a child, she was betrothed to Senator Eleusius, an advisor to the emperor. Although her father was hostile to Christians, Juliana was baptised in secret. As her wedding approached, she refused to be married. Her father urged her not to break her engagement, but she refused, and so he handed her over to Eleusius, who again asked Juliana to marry him. Again, she refused. As punishment, she was tortured and beheaded in 304 alongside a woman named Barbara who suffered the death of a martyr along with Juliana and was likewise sainted. Soon after, a noble lady named Siphonia came to Nicomedia and took the body to Italy and buried it in Campania. This has caused Juliana to be confused with the Saint Juliana of Camille. You said there are two versions, so what's the second version? So the second version tells that Juliana's parents were pagans and they wanted to betroth her to the prominent officer, Eleusius, but Juliana refused. Her refusal shocked her parents because she had never opposed them and she was an obedient daughter. This bruised Eleusian's ego and so he sought revenge. After he'd made some inquiries, he found out that Juliana had converted to Christianity and so impeached her before the Roman governor. And as a result, she was arrested and put into jail. While she was in prison, attempts to save her from execution were made by making her reconsider the marriage. But she, she is supposed to have said she preferred to die rather than have a pagan as a husband. Eleusius, after being ordered by the Roman governor and filled with hate, flogged her in a ruthless way. He then burned her face with a heated iron and said to her, quote, Go now at the mirror to see your beauty. Juliana answered him with a light smile, quote, At the resurrection of the righteous, there won't exist burnings and wounds, but only the soul. So, Eleusius, I prefer to have now the wounds of the body, which are temporary, rather than the wounds of the soul, which torture eternal. Juliana was beheaded. And I like this version slightly more because it concludes that Eleusius was later eaten by a lion while he was shipwrecked on an unknown island. I mean, that second version sounds like it ends with a bit of an act of God, really, doesn't it? <laughs> so what is she the patron saint of? She's the patron saint of sickness, and her feast day is celebrated by the Latin church on February the 16th and the Greek church on December the 21st. Does that happen a lot, then, that Latin and Greek churches have different feast days? It does. There aren't... Not all of the saints are celebrated by both, because oh, okay. the 
Latin in the Greek churches, church, uh, there was a, a schism many years ago and I could explain it, but it would probably fill a couple of hours. Okay, fair enough. I just love that he tried to make her upset by branding her and she just clearly didn't care. Yeah, no, she was not having any of it and shows you how sensitive the male ego has been. No, oh, definitely. I mean, it seems to be a thing throughout history, really, doesn't it? Never mind anything else. Right, so who's up next? So next we have St. Lucy, who is often depicted holding her eyes on a platter. Why? Well, legend says that as part of Lucy's torture, her eyes were gouged out either by her torturers or by Lucy herself as a way to uh, discourage suitors since she had pledged herself to God. Okay. Um, so tell us about her then. There are various versions of Lucy's story. The oldest comes from the 5th century Act of Martyrs. They don't agree on all the details, but various counts do agree that a disappointed suitor accused Lucy of being a Christian and she was executed in Syracuse, Sicily in 304. According to the traditional story, Lucy was born to rich and noble parents around 283. Her father died when she was five, and Lucy, like many early martyrs, had consecrated her virginity to God, and she hoped to distribute her dowry to the poor. Her mother, however, didn't know this, and as she was sick, she arranged her daughter's marriage so that her daughter would be taken care of after her death. Lucy managed to persuade her mum to make a pilgrimage to the shrine of Agatha in Catania. Lucy accompanied her mother on pilgrimage. One night she had a dream in which St Agatha came to her and told her that because of her faith her mother would be cured and that Lucy would be the glory of Syracuse as she was of Catania. With her mother cured, Lucy persuaded her mother to allow her to distribute a great part of her riches amongst the poor. But when her betrothed heard she was giving away her wealth and jewels, he denounced her to the governor of Syracuse. The governor ordered her to burn a sacrifice to the emperor's image. When she refused, he sentenced her to be defiled in a brothel. Now, Christian tradition states that when guards came to take her away, they could not move her, even when they hitched her to a team of oxen. And so bundles of wood were then heaped around her and set on fire, but she would not burn. And finally, she was killed by having a sword thrust into her throat. I mean, that's a pretty gruesome end, but where does the eye gouging come into the story? So the legend of the eye gouging doesn't appear until the 15th century. The legend goes, before she died, she foretold the punishment of Pastius and the speedy end of the persecution, adding that, Diocletian would reign no more and Maxim would meet his end. This so angered Passitius that he ordered the guards to remove her eyes. Another version, however, claimed that Lucy took out her own eyes in order to discourage a persistent suitor who admired them. I mean, that's both extreme and grim. <laughs> yeah. In a way, when her body was prepared for burial in the family mausoleum, it was discovered that her eyes had been miraculously restored. And as you might expect, Lucy is the patron saint of those with eye illnesses and her feast day is December the 13th. I mean, it's quite an interesting story in the first part and then that addition of gouging her own eyes out like it wasn't already gory enough, needed kind of a flourish. Yeah, I mean, her image, like, sometimes she'll appear in stained glass windows or in, or in prints and she'll have her eyes on a tray. People who say, 
oh, there's nothing exciting about religious history. I've clearly not read about the saints' deaths. That's true. They are pretty gory. And you think mm. you're worried about me with my interest in true crime. Very true. Dark in a different way. Definitely. Okay. Who's your next gory death? So next we've got kind of a two for one with Saints Perpetua and Felicity. One of the earliest pieces of writing by a Christian woman was written by Perpetua, who recorded her own account of her martyrdom in her diary, which was published after her death in 203, when she was aged just 22. Perpetua was from a wealthy pagan family, and against their wishes she converted to Christianity, despite knowing the decision would lead to her death. Now there's some variation in the sources about whether she had been baptised or not. Ultimately, it would make no difference to her fate. She was married with an infant child who she was still nursing when she was outed for her faith. She was separated from her child and thrown into an overcrowded and dark prison, but she wasn't alone. Also thrown into jail with her was her slave Felicity, who was herself eight months pregnant at the time. Now, in Roman law, it was forbidden to execute a pregnant woman. So the Romans, being the generous folks they were, waited until the day after she had given birth to execute the two women. And they were executed along with other Christians who'd been arrested. They were executed at the military games in celebration of the Emperor Septimus Severus's birthday. Do we know the form of which the execution was? Well, on the day of their execution, both women were stripped naked and thrown into the arena with a wild cow. However, the crowd took pity on the two women because they saw that one of them had just given birth. So the women were reclothed and instead had their throats cut. It's still a pretty awful end, but at least they died with their clothes on. Yeah. I'm not sure why this crowd wasn't sainted. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the Romans were all for blood and gore, but it seems odd that Apparently. they would suddenly be okay to be like, oh no, not that Christian. She's clearly had a baby, therefore we need to let her have clothes and have a quick death. Considering that like Nero used to set them on fire. Who's next? Next, we have St. Elayla of Barcelona. She was the daughter of a noble family who grew up in the city of Barcelona. So when she was just 13, Governor Donation arrived in the city and she confronted him about his merciless persecution of Christians. And he was unable to dismiss her eloquent appeals. So logically, he had her stripped and whipped. After this, she was then tortured in various ways until, quote, she would deny her beliefs or die. One account tells that she was sealed in a barrel with broken glass and knives and rolled around. When the, torture, when the torturer attempted to burn her with a torch, the flame blew back against him. So apparently she prayed to God that he would take her to heaven. She then died and legend states that as she died, a dove flew from her mouth and a sudden snowstorm covered her nude body like a garment. You said that she died, but how exactly did she die? Tradition says that her torturers, tortures culminated in her crucifixion on an X-shaped cross, and this is how she's often depicted. However, it's since been suggested that she was instead publicly tortured on an X-frame and then left there after she died, but artistic depictions of her martyrdom have led to the belief she was crucified. She is the co-patron saint of Barcelona. She is also the patron saint of sailors and against drought. Her feast day is February the 12th. So what's the difference between an X-shaped cross and your standard cross? Is there a difference that you know of? 
I don't actually know that there's much of a difference. I think it's much more likely she was put against an X-frame and, and tortured and that's where she died. And then this idea that she was crucified has, has sprung up from that depiction rather than that's how she actually died. Yeah. Because all I know about them is that, like, obviously you've got your normal, you, I say your normal. Your T-shape, yeah. T-shape. And then a lot of Christian symbols have a cross that is the same length all the way around because that's meant to depict something along the lines of that you can't be crucified on it. So. Yeah, and then you have like St. Peter who uh, was allegedly crucified upside, upside down, down. Yeah. because he didn't feel he was worthy, as, worthy of the same death as Jesus. Yeah. I could talk a lot about saints. On that note, have you got another one for us? We do. Next we have Saint Cecilia, who despite having made a vow of chastity, was forced by her parents to marry a pagan nobleman named Valerian. When it came time to consummate their marriage, Cecilia told her new husband that an angel of the Lord was watching over her and would punish him if he, quote, sexually violated her, but would love him if he respected her virginity. Valerian, as you might expect, asked to see the angel, and Cecilia replied that he could if he was baptised by Pope Urban I. And Valerian went and did this. Afterwards, he saw the angel standing beside her, crowning her with a chaplet of roses and lilies. Chaplet's kind of like a, a crown. Valerian later convinced his brother to be baptised with him, and the two dedicated themselves to burying Christian martyrs executed by the prefect of the city, to Curious. They were arrested and executed by sword, which probably means they were beheaded. Cecilia was arrested and sentenced to death, only her execution did not go well. The legend about Cecilia's death says that after being struck three times on the neck with a large sword, she lived for three further days before bleeding to death. Now, fun fact, as we know from a few months back, relics were important to Christians. And so as Cecilia lay dying, her followers collected her blood on napkins and then tried to sell them for a profit. So after she finally died, uh, what happened? They later turned her home into a church in her name. She is the patron saint of, amongst other things, musicians as during her wedding she sat apart from others and sang to god in her heart cecilia was buried in the catacomb of calixtus before later being transferred to the church of santa cecilia in Travasphere. in 1599 her body was found to be incorrupt making it look as if she was simply sleeping for those not in the know you should probably explain what an incorrupt body is when we die, our bodies decompose. That's just how things work. But there's a belief in the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox Church that divine intervention allows some human bodies to avoid decomposing, specifically the bodies of saints. Now, this can be a whole body or simply a body part. I believe there's one saint, it's just his tongue that's not corrupt. Sometimes when you visit churches, monasteries, cathedrals, they'll have a saint body on display and it will look incorrupt but sometimes they've been filled with wax or cast in wax to be made to look like that so there are actually very few actual incorrupt saints and if people are interested maybe we'll do a, a bonus on that at some point i will hate that and most definitely will need a therapy duck 
I there we go. Even more reason. I can go for it. Blood and gore. I cannot deal with those bodies. They're just so creepy. There's something about them that freaks me out. I think it's fascinating though. Like, why is it that some of these bodies are incorrupt? Why have they not decomposed, given how old they were, given the fact that they've not necessarily been stored in ideal conditions mm. or treated with chemicals the way modern bodies are? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but they still freak me out. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd particularly want to go and see one, but I do find it interesting. Mm -mm. And as I said, if, if people are interested, let us know because we will look at that for a bonus after dark. Who do we have next then? So last but no means least is St Agnes. And as is common, there are different differing versions of her story. The most common comes from the 13th century golden legend by Jacobus de Voragain. So Agatha was from a rich and noble family she made a vow of virginity and rejected the amorous advances of the Roman prefect Quintius, who thought he could force her to turn away from her vow and marry him. Ego much. His persistent proposals were constantly rejected by Agatha. And knowing she was a Christian, he reported her to the authorities. Now, Quintius himself was the governor of the district and so expected her to give in to his demands especially when he threatened her with torture and possible death. But she simply reaffirmed her belief in God by praying, quote, Jesus Christ, Lord of all, you see my heart, you know my desires, possess all that I am. I am your sheep, make me worthy to overcome the devil. As killing a virgin was illegal, he had Agnes dragged naked to a brothel. Now there are differing versions about what happened to her in the brothel, but... Apparently, the men who tried to rape her were either blinded or Agatha's hair would magically grow in places on her body that kept men from gaining access. And thus she remained a virgin. I mean, that's an image. <laughs> <laughs> but was that the end of her suffering? No, I shouldn't. And it's not funny, but for some reason, I always picture Captain Caveman in that situation. <laughs> Sorry. No, um, Quintus sent for her again he argued threatened and when she refused had her imprisoned and tor tortured she was stretched on a rack and said to be torn with iron hooks burned with torches and whipped amongst the tortures tortures she underwent was the cutting off of her breasts with pincers agatha was then sentenced to be burnt at the stake but quote an earthquake saved her from that fate Instead, she was sent to prison where St. Peter the Apostle appeared to her and healed her wounds. Agatha died in prison probably in the year 251. Another version of her death tells that when she was tied to the stake in the centre of the square, the wood would not burn, so she was stabbed in the throat instead. St. Agnes is the patron saint of rape victims, breast cancer patients, wet nurses and uh, bell founders. What are bell founders? The, the people who make bells that go up in churches. Oh, okay. Why, why bell founders? Because of the shape of her severed breasts. Her feast day is the 5th of February. I mean, what a lovely story. <laughs> Don't say I never share fun things with you. Right. And you, this is the whole thing. You worry about my brain, but this is going to be my evidence the next time you say it. <laughs> I mean, religion can be a bloody affair and I mean they're 
not the only saints deaths like obviously there are a lot more male deaths that we could have looked at and we will if people are interested i will happily do another one where we look at some some more male some other deaths yeah it is pretty dark people tend to think saints kind of died out or, or saints that and their stripes through gory deaths died out with constantine making christianity legal but then we have people like margaret clitheroe who was executed in sort of henry the reign by crushing because yeah. she had hidden catholic priests there's always kind of infighting between the different variations of christianity it's like no one can agree on how they should conduct their religion is that the best terminology yeah i mean there are and today there are divisions within divisions like you have some branches who will welcome lgbtq congregation members and others who would turn them away you have some that will embrace you know having lgbtq members in the clergy yeah and and some who will turn them away and you know that's not the only division no you have some you know we've got the pope who's very outspoken about climate change and then you have other branches who deny science uh, this, and this is the thing like a lot of what was written in the bible does not apply nowadays no. you know and people pick and choose which bits to follow 100%. that said if you are religious and it brings you comfort and joy that's absolutely fine everybody needs to believe in something to get them through yeah as long as it's not hurting others i think it's nobody's the, business really yeah i think that's the main thing it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're not harming someone else with your beliefs then anyone can pretty much think whatever they want it's it's when it crosses that line and it begins to hurt someone else or begins to have an impact a negative impact on their life that i think things need to be reassessed and we got really off topic yeah we did we'll see you in the next podcast